Welcome back to That Wasn't In My Textbook, the bi-weekly podcast that helps us uncover the things we always wish we learned from that boring, bulky textbook. I'm your host, Toya, and you're now listening to the season finale of season two, which is episode 10 on the history of burnout. Before we get into this episode on burnout, I feel like I should make a little disclaimer that I, Toya Chloe Coleman, aka Toya from Harlem, aka your historian homie, is not a medical professional. I'm just a historian, okay? So if any of this resonates with you in terms of feeling burnt out or depressed or anything like that, I encourage you to go get some professional help because I'm just a historian and not a professional. Now let's get into today's episode about burnout. And I keep on wanting to say burnt out. And I think that's just like the way that I say it. (laughs) I'm going to fix myself. It's burnout. There's no T in in burnt, you know, but you know, some things be burnt. Anyway, (laughs) it happens to all of us at some point. I'm sure even the most successful people like Oprah have felt burned out. Our lives are busy and it feels like we're running here and running there, helping others, family, grandma, besties, chasing the bag, being booked and busy. And the list goes on and on. And during this time, we might even feel underappreciated and undercompensated. And we find ourselves feeling a little unproductive and on edge. And oftentimes we're we're in the thick of all this busyness and these feelings, which start to feel like chaos. We forget to take a step back, rest, and even breathe. It can feel like you're holding your breath or like you're running out of breath. And slowly over time, boom, burnout occurs. Now, in today's solo episode, we're talking about burnout, which is a form of exhaustion caused by constantly feeling swamped. It's a result of excessive and prolonged emotional, physical, and mental stress. A lot of my research that I did today and a lot of the articles that I read really focus and link burnout to being related to a person's job, but let's be real, okay? It can be related to life, family, and all of that. It's not just something that happens when you're overworked, <laughs> literally. So I picked today's episode because guess what? Your girl, your historian homie has been feeling burned out, which is why I haven't uploaded an episode since July, which is why this is also a abrupt season finale of season two, because I need a much needed break. I don't even know if that made sense, but yes, I am going to take a much needed break so that I can move past this feeling of burnout. On top of feeling burnt out and emotionally drained, A lot of unexpected things happened to me this summer. Uh, My partner had a family death. His father passed away. And so, you know, we've just been grieving and focusing on that and literally traveling out of state to handle things and meet with family. And so I haven't even been literally in one place to record. Um, And on top of my personal feelings of burnout, 
being the motivation for today's topic, I recently read some studies that let me know I am not alone. If you're feeling burned out, you're not alone. A lot of us are feeling burnt the fuck out. And I, I said burnt on purpose this time. So here are some interesting facts and stats that we should know about burnout. Over half of women surveyed in a 2021 CNBC and SurveyMonkey poll said that their mental health at work was suffering to the point of burnout. Not surprisingly and unfortunately, for women of color, the numbers are worse. Black women experience accelerated biological aging in response to repeatedly encountering stress. I know they say black don't crack, but apparently burnout is making black women, us black women look old, okay? Biological aging accelerated. No, no, no. So we're going to get to some tools on how to counteract this burnout feeling. Um, Another stat that you should know is that the average professional experiences burnout by the age of 32. And the last fact that I thought was very interesting is while 9.8 million working mothers in America experience workplace burnout, it's more pronounced for Black, Latina, and Asian mothers, according to the largest study on working parents to date. So yeah, you know, these stats on top of the fact that we're dealing with the panorama and all her sorority sisters while also fighting racism, trying to stop Asian hate, dealing with an economic downturn. All of these things are compounded stress that lead to what? You guessed it, being burnt the fuck out. So if you're feeling burned out, all of these stats, plus me being in the thick of burnout, should let you know that you are not alone. I'm here with you, in the words of the great Michael Jackson. I was going to sing it, but then I thought I should just spare your ears. You know what I'm saying? So listen, burnout can affect your physical and mental health if you don't acknowledge it or treat it. And like I said, it can even age you. And I don't, I know, I know everybody listening ain't trying to age any faster. Okay. So in today's episode, we're talking about the 50 year old history of burnout and its definition, because you know, we love definitions on the podcast. We're going to talk about the signs and symptoms of burnout. We're going to compare depression versus burnout because they are different, but they can be similar and confusing in terms of the signs and symptoms. And then we're going to wrap it all up talking about how to deal with burnout and reset. Okay. So the term burnout is a relatively new term first coined about 50, well, actually 47 years ago in 1974 by a dude named Herbert Fergenberg in his book, Burnout, the High Cost of high achievement. He originally defined burnout as the extinction of motivation or incentive, especially where one's devotion to a cause or relationship fails to produce the desired results. Now, burnout is a real thing and it was studied and labeled in the mid-1970s by two researchers working independently at the same damn time at two different locations. One researcher was a psychoanalyst named Herbert Fergenberg. We just read his definition. He gets the most credit for burnout and I can't help but wonder why. Maybe because he's a man. I don't know. 
I digress. So one researcher was psychoanalyst Herbert, who was located in NYC. By the way, Herbert is my dad's name. Little fun fact about your host there. You can keep that. The other researcher that was researching burnout at the same time on the West Coast in California, who gets credited for this term is Christina Makalash, a professor of psychology at the University of California, Berkeley. So Herbie did some really interesting research and uncovered burnout from his work at a free substance abuse clinic in New York City. We're just going to call him Herbert, Herbie, because that's just, it just, you know, my dad and everything. Okay, cool. So Herbert was putting in some brutal hours due with stress. So were his other employees at the clinic, some of who quit, um, but they all seemed to be suffering from nervous breakdowns. So Finally, Herbert agreed to use his vacation days and go on a trip with his family, thinking this would help reset his mood. But you know how the day before vacation goes at work, shit gets kind of crazy, emails are never ending, you can never get out of the office. So that's what happened to Herbert. He worked late the night before the departure of his flight for his family vacation. And then, y'all not gonna believe this, this dude couldn't even get out of bed the next morning and they missed their flight for a family vacation. After that happened, Herbert decided to look into the mental well-being of his coworkers and caregivers at the clinic because he was like, what is going on? Like, why do I feel this way? Why did this happen to me? And to his surprise, when he went back to work and started doing some mental well-being of his coworkers, he noticed similarities between his coworkers and the addicts that they were caring for at the substance abuse clinic. During this time, the term burnout was slang to describe extreme drug use. But when Herbert started using it for the workers at the clinic, they promptly kind of was like, word, that might, that might also apply to us. The author of the book, Global Burnout, wrote about Herbert's observation saying, the caregivers have been raved by forces as toxic as the drugs as their patients abuse. They were overworked, perhaps overly idealistic, and certainly overcommitted. Like substance abuse, burnout is an illness of immoderation. And immoderation just means, you know, excessive overload, lacking restraint, and, and over due diligence. So I think this quote is basically saying that Herbert observed the similarity of burnout between the people they were serving at the clinic and the people working at the clinic because they were overworked, almost kind of excessively working. So the workers were excessively working and were lacking restraint and overdoing it at work like so he like for him he couldn't even leave the day before vacation and go get some rest and so similarly to drug addicts they were doing the same thing they were like addicted you know excessively indulging and using drugs and so they were just making this comparison to burnout in these two different kind of scenarios um, Herbert also went to compare burnout to the effects of a fire which I thought was really interesting so this is a quote from him because I don't talk like this. As a, as a practicing psychoanalyst, I've come to realize that people as well as buildings sometimes burn out. Under the strain of living in our complex world, their inner resources are consumed as if by a fire, leaving a great emptiness inside. Although the outer shells may be more or less unchanged, only if you venture inside will you be struck by the full force of the dis 
isolation. So again, I thought this was really interesting. He was basically saying that, you know, usually when people are burned out, you can't necessarily see it, right? But inside, or when you start talking to them, you under they start telling you things or you understand that they have a lot going on. And so they might even use the word or just tell you all the things that let you know, like, oh, wow, you're really doing a lot. You might be burned out. So I really liked the whole fire comparison. The drug comparison, I didn't fully get, but I still wanted to share it with y'all. But the fire comparison, I thought was really, really interesting. And I'm just going to snap to that because I can relate to that whole thing of just like the outer shell looking unchanged, but inside there's just fucking chaos. You know, that's pretty much what I got from that. While Herbie was doing all this research and observations in New York City on the opposite coast at the same damn time at Berkeley, Christina, who had just gotten her PhD, started studying how people respond to crisis. She started her work by interviewing people in the service sectors. Think, you know, the first responders, healthcare workers, police officers, doctors. But she also interviewed people like ministers. And she started to notice some themes. Everybody was feeling the same type of way. When she began asking if the term burnout described their experience, they were all like, yeah, that perfectly explains exactly how I'm feeling. So she decided to publish her research, but found it difficult to publish because the science journals were hating on her and kept dissing her and saying that burnout was just a popular science right now. You know, it was like trending and it wasn't worthy of their bougie academic journals. But finally, she got published in 1976 in a magazine called Human Behavior. And what do you think happened when that article dropped, when they released that? Christina was flooded with responses of a whole bunch of people being like, damn, you're killing me softly telling me my whole life because a lot of people felt like her article summed up how they were feeling and she explained what burnout was and people were like, yes, that's that's a thing. So Christina, whose last name is Makalash, went on to create a way to identify and measure burnout. It's called the Makalash Burnout Inventory known as M. FBI, not to be confused with FBI. Those are two different things. And so the MBI breaks down burnout in three dimensions, exhaustion, cynicism, which really means like doubt, mistrust, suspicion. And then the third one is negative self-worth. And it also puts it into six workplace risk categories for the whole work analogy that I talked about earlier. A lot of people use burnout for work. So the six workplace risk categories are workload, sense of control, reward, workplace relationships, fairness, and the last one is values alignment. So this MBI was also the framework that the World Health Organization used this year when it added burnout to its manual. It's their whose manual is called the International Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems. That is a lot. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. So of course, in some form or another, burnout has always been with us, but the pandemic has intensified it by a hundred. For the past year and change, burnout has been at the center of conversations among everybody from the frontline workers to those of us staring at our screens all day, ruining our vision and trying to create boundaries between our work lives and our home lives and our family lives and all the lives, right? History shows that scholars like Herbert and Christina started out using burnout to describe the consequences of severe stress in a professional setting. 
you know, doctors, nurses, for example, who sacrifice themselves for others would often end up feeling burned out, exhausted, tired, and unable to cope. But nowadays, the term is not only used for helping professionals who have to do a lot of self-sacrifice and feel exhausted and, and tired. Burnout can affect anyone. It's affecting <laughs> From the stressed out career driven people to celebrities to overworked employees to the at home moms and dads. Shit, we all can feel burned out. Okay, so now that we got that interesting history of burnout out the way, let's answer some important questions about burnout. The first question I think we should address is can you medically diagnose burnout? And as of May of this year, according to the International Classification of Diseases, remember I told you about that earlier, basically it's the World Health Organization's handbook that they give to medical providers. So now um, burnout is in the International Classification of Diseases, the handbook of who, pretty much. I hope that makes sense. And it um, it's under the section on problems related to employment and unemployment. In whose handy dandy handbook that now has burnout in it, doctors can diagnose someone with burnout if and only if they meet the following symptoms. One, feeling of energy depletion or exhaustion. Two, increased mental distance from one's job or feeling of negativism or cynicism related to one's job. And three, reduced professional efficiency. Before making the call, the document says doctors should first rule out adjustment disorder as well as anxiety and mood disorder. And the diagnosis is limited to work environments and should it be applied to other life situations. And that's just in whose handy dandy handbook. But like I said before, and like a lot of people believe in my research, burnout is not just for career driven people, it's for everybody. So I'm hoping that down the line, you know, the World World Health Organization handy dandy book will expand burnout to include everybody, not just the working professionals. The second question I think we should address is what are the signs and symptoms of burnout? And you can be on the road to burnout if Every day is a bad day. Caring about your work or home life seems like a total waste of energy. You're exhausted all the damn time. The majority of your day is spent on tasks you find either numbing or overwhelming. You feel like nothing you do makes a difference or is appreciated. You have a sense of failure and self-doubt, feeling helpless, trapped, and defeated. If you feel that way, you might be burnt out. You're detached and feeling alone in the world. You lose all goddamn motivation. You're increasingly cynical and have a negative outlook. You're decreased satisfaction and sense of accomplishment. And yeah, reduced performance as well. Exhaustion. I think I said that already. Tired every damn day. So those are the kind of signs. Major reasons for burnout include unmanageable workloads. And that could be, 
You know, you're, if you're a stay-at-home mom, that's your task at home. If you're a mom that's dealing with your family and your children, if you're a freelancer, that's your client work. So it applies to anyone. Unmanageable workloads is one. Another is unfair treatment at work, confusing responsibilities, lack of communication, immense deadline pressure. And the third important question we should talk about with burnout is what's the prevention and treatment for burnout? So although the term burnout suggests it may be a permanent condition, it's not. An individual who's feeling burned out may need to just make some changes to their environment. Take a vacay, for example. If you recall from earlier, Herbert, the psychoanalyst, tried to take a vacay, but he failed. But that's just one of the things that they believe can help with burnout. Take a social media break. That's what I believe. We see people doing that all the time and they do it for a reason and it's happening for a reason because they're feeling burnt out. They're being overloaded and overwhelmed by other things, other people's highlight reels. So that's another thing you could do. And the last suggestion for prevention and treatment of burnout is regular schedule breaks along with daily exercises. You know, get that, get sweating, get those endorphins going. Um, those things can be the key to helping combat burnout. Just having a daily routine that gets you energized. You feel me? But if you're experiencing burnout and you've tried some of these things and you're still having difficult finding a way out, you might have another mental health condition like depression or anxiety or anything like that. So you should always seek professional treatment. And then the last question I wanted to address and wrap it all up with in terms of burnout is what's the difference between burnout and depression? Because they sound pretty damn similar. <laughs> and they are because some of the signs are considered signs of depression, which include like extreme exhaustion, feeling down, reduced performance. Like those are for burnout and depression. So because these symptoms are so similar, some people may have mislabeled burnout, right? And they may really have depression. So it's important not to self-diagnose, y'all. Don't be going on WebMD, you know? I be doing it too. Don't hit Google. Talk to a professional. And because, you know, mis leading yourself can just help your recovery take longer, you know, and doing so can just also lead to the wrong treatment. So for example, advising someone with depression to take a long vacation or time off, which is best for a burnout, right? Those people who are actually depressed, that's not going to work for them. They're going to be like, why did you tell me to do this? I still feel horrible, right? So you just have to be careful when we talk about things like burnout and depression, anxiety. A lot of their symptoms are similar. So of course, you know, we went over the history today and I know I feel burnout in this moment, but I also know I suffer with depression different story. However, I just wanted to just go over the history, you know, and learn some things. And so that is the season finale of season two, wrapping all up in this episode 10 on the history of burnout with some bonuses that included the signs and symptoms of burnout, the differences between depression and burnout, and tips that might help you feel better if you are actually experiencing burnout. 
Now remember, talk to a mental health professional if any of this resonates with you, just to make sure you're on the right track. In all my research, I found it so interesting how burnout was actually compared to that of a burning building. I thought that was interesting. I felt that analogy. It really hit me. You know what I'm saying? And I also was super surprised how burnout can like accelerate our biological age. Did not like that. Yikes. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm happy that burnout is now in, you know, the World Health Organization's handy dandy book that they give out to medical professionals and it can be medically diagnosed. I feel like that's progression. Well, hopefully this episode wasn't depressing. It was enlightening. Maybe give you some tips to how to like reboot if you're feeling burnt out and you actually found it helpful and informative. I hope that's the truth. Thank you so much for tuning into season two of the podcast. This is the season finale because I need to go and do some of these preventions and treatments that I listed so I can get out of my burnout or burnt out, as I like to say. I might even take a social media break. We'll see. Now, don't forget about your girl on the podcast. We'll be back at the end of September. We are just taking a break. We are not breaking up. Okay, again, we are taking a break. We are not breaking up. So mark your calendars, set your reminders, please. In between time, make sure you follow. That wasn't in my textbook all over the interwebs. We got a YouTube. We got a Pinterest. We got it all. Please, 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 if you haven't so far, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Tell me your favorite episode. Those reviews help us rank and help us get noticed. So I would really, really appreciate that. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, the last week of September for season three, remember, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm.